You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. things we don't understand, it's hard to figure him out. It's hard to put him in in a box. It's hard to figure him out. What are you doing, Lord? It's way beyond us. We don't know what's going on. These things baffle us, and they cause us to get discouraged at times. And when they do, they reveal just how little we understand about who God is. We can't let this happen to us. Why? Because God always acts in perfect accord with the situation. No matter how much hindsight we might have, we all too often forget how faithful God truly is each time we're met with a trial. Once the problem passes, we then remember God's goodness. As Pastor Dave will remind you, we as believers must do our best to have faith and fully trust in the Lord. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 11 as he continues his message, Jesus Confounds His Disciples. Just when we think we can come to grasp of God's love, may he show us how big he is. Just when we think we have done all that God desires through us, may he show us that there's still more to do. And just when we think that we're able to, beyond the ability and and faithfulness, may God show us that his resources are overflowing and constantly coming towards us, giving us power to even do more. And just when we think we've sinned too many times to go back, may we run back into his forever forgiving arms and receive his blessing through Jesus Christ. May we never minimize God or lose our first love for him. But I see that happening in our study today. I see the disciples becoming confounded. They become confused. Remember, Chapter 11 is all about faith. God wants to strengthen the faith of the disciples. He wants to strengthen the faith of Mary and Martha. He wants to strengthen the faith of Lazarus. He wants to strengthen the faith of those that are looking in. And he wants to strengthen your faith as well today. That's what God wants to do through chapter 11. And we bring all glory to God for doing that for us. Jesus has a purpose for everything. Nothing he does is ever wasted. No time of Jesus' is ever wasted. No effort of Jesus is ever wasted. There is always a purpose, and there is always a plan for what he wants to do. Remember that. Last week, we ended our study as Jesus reacted to the news. He had received from a messenger that his dear friend, the one he loved, Lazarus, was sick. Was sick. And we read, let's let's reread 5 and 6. Well, let's read 4, 5, and 6. When Jesus heard that, he said, The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. 
This is the first way you find the disciples confounded. They're confounded. And maybe you might be confounded with the same way. Jesus, your words don't seem to be matching your actions here, Savior, Master, Rabbi. You said you loved Martha. You loved Mary and you loved Lazarus. But you're waiting two days to go to them. What gives? What's wrong? I'm confused. I don't understand what's happening. Why are you waiting two days? What's the problem? But we need to believe what Jesus said. He loved Martha. He loved her sister. And he loved Lazarus. God, Jesus, does all things out of love. Everything he does is done by, through love. Everything. As we discussed last week, this is tough to handle. This is tough to handle. He loves them, but he stayed two more days. When, when you've gone to God for help, and you've cried out to him, you've opened your soul to him, and you've asked him for help, and you desperately need it, and your heart is breaking for something that happened, or someone, and you want God to intervene, but you hear absolutely nothing. Everything is silent. There is no word. It's a tough place to be. I don't know if it's ever happened to you, but it has happened to me. And when it happens, unfortunately, my flesh interprets it as God's delays are now his denials. He didn't answer my prayer. Prayer doesn't work, pal. Don't pray. God doesn't answer prayer. What's the use? I've tried it. I give up. God doesn't answer me. This is the usual reaction. And with a shameful heart, I have to admit to you that I've felt this way sometimes. But what is this telling us? It's telling us that God's delay is not a sign of his indifference towards us. His delay is not a sign of his indifference towards us, nor is it a sign of his denial or his failure to hear. Because we read throughout Scripture that God hears, God sees, God knows, God speaks. We know those things. It's actually a sign of his love. It's actually a sign of his love. The delay will help us. It won't hurt us. It will make us stronger. It will make our faith grow. And that's the whole purpose of what Jesus is trying to do in this situation right here. The ultimate outcome of God's work will be God being glorified. And your faith will grow. Praise God. But it's a hard lesson. And you might have struggled with this many times. I have too. Listen to what this Christian writer wrote. I love it. Listen to this. Quote, loneliness, loss, pain, sorrow, these are disciplines. They are God's gift to drive us to his very heart, to increase our capacity for him, to sharpen our sensitivities and understanding, to temper our spiritual lives so that they will become channels of his mercies to others and so bear fruit for his kingdom, unquote. I like that. God's delays are done out of his loves with a purpose. God has a purpose and a plan. So Jesus told the messenger who was there, this sickness is not unto death. And I'm sure as soon as the messenger heard that, he turned around and lickety-split, he went back to Bethany, which remember, we said was about two days away, 20 miles. If you ran, you could probably make it in one long day, but it was about two days' journey. What do you suppose the messenger felt when he got back to Bethany, only to find out that guess what? Lazarus was dead. What do you think his reaction was? 
Wait a minute. He said the sickness was not unto death. And he's been dead for several days. What do you think the reaction was of Mary and Martha when they heard this? Lord, the Lord said that the sickness is not unto death. Uh, you better look in the other room. Lazarus was dead. What was their reaction? How do you think they felt? Not only would there be heartbreak caused by the loss of their dear brother, compounded upon that now was the doubt of who Jesus was. Is he really who he says he is? Did he make a mistake? Maybe he overcalculated. Is Jesus really the Messiah? Wait a minute. Something's amiss here. Their minds were filled with crazy thoughts. Their hearts were broken. Did we wrongly think about him? Maybe he's not who he says he is. What's going on? My gosh, they began to doubt about his capacity. They had doubt about his ability, and they doubted about his position. Is this the Son of God? Would the Son of God do this? Wow. Maybe you've never felt that way. But they were confounded too. They were confused. They were confused. Their hearts and minds were filled with unbelief. Their hearts and minds were filled with doubts. And this could have driven them to spare, and it could have driven them away from Jesus. One of my prayers when I'm doing a funeral for someone, one of my prayers is that the death of their loved one would not drive them away from Jesus, but in turn would drive them to Jesus. Because he is the great healer. He heals the brokenhearted. He's healed my heart and continues to heal my heart. He heals those who are brokenhearted. Where was Jesus? He said he loved us and he left us out in the lurch. Lazarus is dead. Where's our Savior? Two days later, two days later, we read in verse 7, then after this, after two days, he, Jesus, said to the disciples, let's go to Judea again. Let's go to Judea. Now, it is not recorded here. We do read where the, 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 somebody said, the disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and are you going there again? I'm thinking it was Peter. I'm thinking it was Peter who stepped up and said, what are you, crazy? They want to kill you. Last time we were there, they had stones in their hands. And you want to go back again? What, what, what's happening here? See, when God does things we don't understand, it's hard to figure him out. It's hard to put him in, in a box. It's hard to figure him out. What are you doing, Lord? It's way beyond us. We don't know what's going on. These things baffle us, and they cause us to get discouraged at times. And when they do, they reveal just how little we understand about who God is. We can't let this happen to us. Why? Because God always acts in perfect accord with the situation. He always acts in perfect accord with the situation and in perfect accord with his process and his purpose for what's going on. We have to remember that God is sovereign. The sovereignty of God comes into play here, folks. We have to remember God is a sovereign God. He doesn't suffer from the illusions and fantasies that we do. He does not have a purposeless life. 
Everything he does has a purpose. Everything he does. He doesn't pursue hopeless aims like we do. He acts in line with reality. And this also reveals to us some wonderful things about the way he thinks. First of all, this tells us that Jesus did not leave Judea in fear. If he left in fear, he wouldn't have gone back. He wouldn't have gone back because things only got worse. He wouldn't go back. Why? It's a question of timing. It's a question of timing. See, we forget one major thing here. That our Lord himself was in charge of all the events that led to his death. He knew everything that was coming to his death. He was in charge of everything that happened. And when it wasn't his time, remember, it's not my time. When it wasn't his time, he knew that there was a timetable. He knew that there was a divine timetable. And he was in complete control of all the events. Everything that happened, happened. He was orchestrating the entire procedure. Now, we're blessed to have a son who is a conductor, and he conducts several orchestras. And I was thinking about him when I was writing this. The conductor of the orchestra knows the score from the beginning to the end. He studied the score. He knows everything about the score. He knows when to pick the music up. He knows when to lower the music. He knows when to speed the music up. He knows when to slower the music. He knows which pieces. Trumpets, yeah. Drums, yeah. He knows exactly what pieces come in and where. This is what Jesus is doing right here. He's orchestrating everything, every event. He's orchestrating every event. And every now and then, he shows up. It's almost like he goes in with a pole and he pokes the Pharisees. Bang, bang, bang. Then he runs away. He goes away. Then they get all mad and they got all hot and bothered and they get real angry. And then he shows up again. Hi, guys. And he runs away. And this is building and building and building. He knows. He knows that when he goes to Bethany, it's it. He knows when he goes to Bethany, it's it. And he's waiting those two days. Remember, Everything is on a timetable. Everything is on a God's timetable. Jesus knows that it has to be exactly 483 years after Artaxerxes gave the, the call and wrote the letter for the, for the wall to be built in Jerusalem to Nehemiah. Jesus knows that it's just about that time. And on that exact day, on that exact moment, on that exact Sunday morning, Jesus will ride into Jerusalem. They call it the triumphant entry. We call it Palm Sunday. Jesus knew it wasn't going to happen before then, and it certainly wasn't going to happen after then. It would happen just at that time. Why? He knew that he was the Passover lamb. He knew that that would be Passover, and he would be the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. He knew that he, that was his role. John the Baptist knew it. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John the Baptist knew it. John claimed that there he is. Jesus knew it. He knew that everything had to work according to that plan. It was God's timing. It was God's timetable, and he was walking in it. So what does he mean when he says, are there not 12 hours in a day? Look at verses 9 and 10. Jesus answered and said, are there not 12 hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But... If one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. What's he talking about here? Well, he's referring to an appointed time that God has. 
He knew that as long as he walked in the Father's obedience, as long as he walked in the Father's will, nothing could come near him. Nothing would befall him. Nothing would happen. He knew the Father's timetable. What a wonderful example it is for us. This is a great example for us, and we should look into it a little bit more. It applies to every one of us. What does it say? That God has an appointed time for each of us. There is an appointed time for each of us. And if we walk in the light, walk in obedience, in the place and that appointment that he has, and we do what he sent us to do, nothing can stop him. Nothing can stop and nothing can come against you if you're walking in God's light. Now, if we walk in the darkness, we're going to stumble and fumble all around. I get up in the middle of the night, and I'm hitting dog cages, I'm hitting shoes, I'm hitting bedposts, I'm hitting everything around in the world. I stumble around. But in the daytime, you see those things. I mean, that's what he's saying here. I'm walking at the appointed time of my life. I'm walking in the day, and as long as I'm walking, breathing, and talking, I'm going to do the Father's business. And you know what? It goes for us too, doesn't it? As long as we're breathing, as long as we have breath, Mark prayed this morning. I think they say, let, he always says, let every breath praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. As long as I have breath, I will praise the Lord. As long as I am alive, I will serve him. As long as he continues to use me in any fashion, I will do it. As long as it's daytime. The night will come. The night will come. Jesus knows that the night's coming. He knows that he will be cut off. He knows, according to Daniel's prophecy, that the, on the 69th year, the Messiah will be cut off. He knows that that's going to happen. He knows he's going to the cross. But remember, his face is like a flint right towards that cross. And he's orchestrating everything to lead to that point. Everything is orchestrated, just like in our lives. God has orchestrated everything in our lives. Have you discovered it yet? Have you discovered what God has orchestrated for you? He's up there playing this beautifully melody. It's on you, on you. And he's going, oh, this is great. Look at this. Discover this. Find this out. Oh, I have this plan. Now get a little out of here. Oh, get a little softer there. Let's let the drums come in. You know, God is doing all that. He's doing it in your life. He's doing such a wonderful work in your life. Are you aware of it? Do you have spiritual eyes to see it? And are you going, I can't wait. Come on, God, let's go. Let's do it again. It's so wonderful. Every day you wake up, you... A great big breath, God has sustained you through a night. And he's given you another day to worship him, another day to praise him, another day to say, thank you, Jesus. Now, some of you are thinking probably, what are you, nuts? I'm going through one of the most hardest times I've ever been through in my life. That's when you pray him all the more. That's when you praise him more. That's when you declare his worth more. That's when you stand up, be steadfast and immovable. That's when you walk forward and say, my God is strong. I serve a big God. My God is strong. He can take care of it. He can take care of it. We walk in obedience to him. Our times are appointed. The psalmist said in 31.15, our times are in his hands. In 90, verse 12, help us to number our days that we shall walk in the ways that please the Lord. Are there not 12 hours of the day? What he's saying? He says, true of me. I'm walking in God's appointed time. Remember? What did he say? I repeat it all the time. I only do the things that the Father is doing. I only say the things the Father is saying. He was walking in the appointed time of God. What do we say? I only do the things that the Spirit is telling me to do. I only do the things that the Spirit is saying. I open my mouth and the Spirit speaks. I'm following Jesus the best I can. I'm submitted to Him. I surrender. 
I surrender to you, Lord. When we walk outside of God's will, when we get away from God's will, when we start not trusting in God's will, when I start trusting in my own abilities, well, that's when you hit the dog cage in the middle of the night. That's, that's when you trip over a shoe or you hit your big toe on the post of the bed because you're stumbling in the dark when you're not following Christ. You're not following the light. That's when that happens. Jesus isn't done confounding. <laughs> now he wants to confound the disciples one more time. He wants to confound them on their view of death. He wants to confound them on their view of death. Let's listen. Let's read 11 through 14. These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Wow. Now, what's he saying here? Now, I think we can glean something from this when we look at that. He's saying that there's a difference between what happens to a child of God when he dies and what happens to a non-believer when he dies. The Bible calls it sleep. It's everywhere in the Bible you can look. It's all the time about sleep. Look, look at the Old Testament. Abraham died and he slept with his fathers. This person died and slept with his fathers, et cetera, et cetera. They called it sleep. Jairus' daughter, remember Jairus' daughter that Jesus healed? What did he say of her? She's not dead, she's sleeping. And all the, guys, all the mourners said, you were crazy. Paul, writing to the Thessalonians, said this, now concerning those that are asleep in Christ, those that are asleep in Christ, I write you that you don't sorrow as those who don't have hope. It was a term that was used for death. And in order that we might distinguish, though, the difference between a believer and a non-believer as far as death is concerned, the believer term is sleep, and it's often used. So Jesus says of Lazarus, he's sleeping. Now, the disciples, on the other hand, are always thinking physically. They're never thinking spiritually. And they get confounded easily. They go, wait a minute. If he's sleeping, let him sleep. He'll get better, right? You got a cold? You go to bed. Take sleep. Take some night cool. Get some good night's sleep. You'll get better. That's what he's saying. That's what they're saying to him. Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. So Jesus had to turn to him and go, Lazarus is dead. He had to make it clear to them. Our friend Lazarus is dead. And they're like, what? He just said he was asleep. You can see their minds. They have no idea what's going on right now. They seems like they're, what are you doing, Lord? I'm so confused. What's going on? He says, well, that's going to confuse you. Wait till you hear the thing I'm going to say next. He says in verse 15, Jesus says, and I'm glad for your sake that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Now the disciples go, what? You're glad? You're glad your deal friend died? Oh, Lord. You are a sure We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you again next time on Assure Hope. In the meantime, we invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. There, you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank, available to listen to, download, or even share with your friends and family, all free of charge. Just look under the Messages tab. 
You can listen to additional teachings from this series in John or jump to another book of the Bible. Each book gives some useful insight into God's plan for you and the world you live in. We trust that A Sure Hope is an encouraging program for you. And if you're without a church family, we'd love for you to join us. If you happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to meet you in person for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 10 a.m. And you can find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. If you live further away or are unable to come in person, we understand. And we'd still love for you to be a part of our church family virtually. You can join us for church online through Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just follow the links that are available at assurehoperadio.com. And don't forget to like and subscribe to keep up to date with the latest information. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Assure Hope.